uh, switch gears, really hard question. Um, had some time to think now, and here's the hard question that we're going to try to wrestle a little bit with today. Why would an all-powerful, all-loving God allow a virus to spread to 218 countries at last count, infect over 93 million people, and I even need to be careful how I say this, and at least be a part of the deaths of over 2 million people, okay? Uh, John 3.16, we know that one well. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. So we know the Lord loves the world, so why would God, who loves, agapes the world, why would he allow COVID-19 virus to spread worldwide, become a global pandemic, and just think about all of the fear and the mayhem and the death and the sickness it's caused. Why would the Lord, who loves the world, allow that to happen? Now, let me just say very quickly, we're not going to have a full and complete answer here today. I hope you understand that. So, uh, what we're going to give today is far from complete, but I think we get some insight to the answers to those hard questions in the sixth chapter of Mark's gospel. So, I'd encourage you to start looking that up on, on uh, your Bible app or in your Bible, because in Mark chapter 6, Jesus intentionally sends his 12 disciples, who we know he loves, track with me, he loves his disciples, but he intentionally sends them square into the teeth of a really wicked storm on the Sea of Galilee. Um, and, and it's just interesting uh, why he does that. Uh, I'm convinced that many of the reasons that Jesus sends his disciples into a storm, many of those same reasons explain why the Lord would allow COVID-19 to sweep across planet Earth. Uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 45, we're going to see that Jesus loves his disciples enough to send them into a storm. And here's, here's where it gets uh, interesting. Perhaps Jesus loves the world enough to send a storm called COVID-19 into the world. I realize that's a mind shift to think of it that way. But maybe, just maybe, the Lord loves the world enough to allow this storm of a pandemic to come our way. Stand with me if you're able. Uh, we're going to read uh, starting in Mark chapter 6, verse 45, down to verse 40, 52. And if you're watching online, okay, here's the challenge. I know it's tough. Uh, uh, set your breakfast and your coffee aside, okay, just for a moment. And, and would you consider standing with us as well as we uh, read God's book out loud together? Here we go. Read with me. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida. While he dismissed the crowd, after leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. 
Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Let's pray. Lord, uh, it's been a challenging week for many of us here today. Truth is, it's been a challenging 10 months for most of us here today. So, we're looking to you and your book for answers. Uh, and I'm asking that you might speak to us, your church here today. Give us listening hearts and minds and ears. And Lord, I, I believe you want to speak to us corporately, but I suspect, Lord, you want to speak to us personally too. So help us to tune in and hear your whispers, your prompts, your nudges as we dig into your word. And Lord, uh, in, in the busyness of this past week, I suspect some of us come and the truth is we've got dirty hands. We've got mouths that have uh, uttered sinful, ugly words. We've got minds that are cluttered with attitudes that aren't so good, motives, memories, ideas, Lord, all sorts of stuff that builds walls between us and you. And Lord, we want our relationship restored. We want to be in right relationship with your son right now as we dig into your book. And Lord, we recognize the only way that happens is when we do the U-turn and we repent. We're not going to lay there in our sin any longer. And we're going to run to the cross. That's the place of forgiveness and cleansing and right relationships get restored. And Lord, you've already marked all of your kids' accounts paid in full by the shed blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. So Lord, we're going to draw on that account right now. And as you point out sin that we've not dealt with, we're going to call it what you call it. We're going to call it sin. Would you wash and cleanse and tear down those walls and remove the barriers between us and you? The best place to be in life is in right relationship with your son, Jesus. Thanks for forgiving us again and again and again. And Lord, give us some victory over sins and uh, pits that we keep falling into. Show us, Lord, how we can get victory even today. And all the church family at Walloon Lake, all those watching online, said with one unified voice, Amen. you can be seated. Why would Jesus, who loved his disciples so much that he sacrificed his life for them on the cross, why would Jesus intentionally send his disciples right in the middle of a storm 
in the middle of the night. Why would he do that? Why would he do that? I think there are lessons disciples needed to learn that couldn't be learned when the wind was calm, when the sea was flat, when the sun was shining. Let me say that again. Lessons needed to be learned by the 12 that weren't going to be learned when everything was going well and the sun was shining and there were no wind and there was no waves. They needed to learn some lessons and they could only learn those lessons in the middle of a storm, in the middle of the night. Jesus loved his disciples enough to teach them even when the training was hard, even when it was scary and painful. And let me say this clearly, Jesus loves us enough that he's willing to teach us even when the training is hard, even when it's painful, even when it's scary, Jesus loves us so much that he's willing to allow storms to come into our lives. It's true. Verse 45, it says, uh, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. That'd be across the Sea of Galilee. So he, he, he says, immediately, it was like now. It, there was like no time wasted. Jesus immediately says, hey, 12, it's time to... Get into the boat. I want you to go right now over to the other side. Okay? Uh, question is why? They've just experienced this amazing miracle. If you look at just before uh, verse 45, Jesus feeds 5,000 people. Okay? And, and it's amazing feeding 12 baskets of leftovers. Approximately 20,000 people were fed. And now immediately Jesus says, okay, that's enough. Get in the boat, guys. Go. Why after this amazing victory, when Jesus serves the best sushi ever, ever, okay? We're talking sushi buffet like you've never seen. That It was amazing. Why can't they just kind of linger and savor and enjoy? he went up on a mountainside to do what? Okay, four of you got it. It's verse 46. Not a trick. After leaving them, the crowd, after sending the disciples out, he went up on a mountainside to do what? To pray. I believe there was temptation for the disciples to get carried away with the energy of the crowd, and Jesus knew that. I, I, I think... There was a temptation, not just to the disciples, but to Jesus, because if, if he allows them to force him to be king, let's skip the cross, let, let's skip the shed blood, let's skip taking on the sin of the whole world, let's go straight to being the king of the world. And if you see Jesus in the wilderness being tempted by Satan, Matthew 4, 8, that's exactly what Satan was trying to get Jesus to do. That's what the crowd is attempting to get Jesus to do right here in Mark chapter 6. So Jesus sees temptation and trouble brewing 
all around him. He forces the 12 into the boat, get to the other side, and then Jesus withdraws from the crowd, goes up on the mountainside. I think he got on his knees. I suspect he got on his face and prays and talks with the Father and gets his batteries recharged and his tanks refilled and draws strength. Here's my question. When the storm clouds get dark around you, when trouble and temptation are looking you square in the face, how do you handle that? Do you just kind of linger and kind of think, well, that looks pretty good, and yeah, I don't think I should, but, but it is, do you linger or do you run? Do you just kind of hang around the temptation and the trouble? Or do you run? And here's my point. If God with skin on, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, doesn't stick around and linger with temptation, who do we think we are that we can linger and we'll be fine? I can gut this one out. I'll be okay. I can deal with this temptation. No, we can't. No, we can't. If Jesus knew enough to not linger around with the crowd and be tempted, but draw away and get on his face, isn't that the pattern we should be following? Instead, here's how it often happens. I'm struggling with my cholesterol and triglycerides and my weight, but I really love Johann's chocolate cream-filled Long John's. Can I get an amen there? This is purely hypothetical, of course. So I know that's true. So I'm just going to drive by Johann's, but I'm not going to go inside. And then after I drive by, I think to myself, you know what? I just like the smell in there, you know? So I think I'm just going to go in and walk around and enjoy the pleasant aroma of Johann's, but I'm not going to buy anything. And then it hits my head, I think I'll buy three of them, but I'm going to give them to my grandchildren. They're not for me, uh, but, but I'll take three of those uh, chocolate cream-filled Long Johns uh, for Emma, Levi, and Lukey. And then I get the bag, and I'm alone in the car. What happens? Munch, munch, munch. Sorry, Lord, I couldn't resist. Can I just say, I lost the battle when I lingered by driving by. Do you understand? That's the point here. As soon as, soon as you linger and you're kind of circling the temptation, you lost. It, it, it's, already, it's already there and the hook has been set. Lesson illustrated by Jesus. When you get tempted and tested in one form or another, and I suspect that's going to be all of us this week ahead, if you linger, you're going to fall and sin and crash. If you, if you linger and circle the temptation, the hook is already getting set. Run, cry out to the Lord for wisdom and victory and strength. And I'm just telling you, it works. But if you linger, it's probably over already. So the first reason Jesus intentionally sends his disciples into a storm is to avoid temptation. Now, if you're thinking with me, you're thinking, okay, avoid temptation. 
but he sends them into a storm that's bad. Can, can I just say, yeah, the storm's going to be bad, but the giving in to temptation would have been far worse. See, we don't think of it that way, but, but yeah, going through a storm is going gonna, is gonna to be hard, but giving in to temptation could have been catastrophic. Verse 47, here we go. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. So we know it was just before sunset, track with me, that Jesus forces the 12 disciples into the boat. In verse 48, tells us that it's shortly before dawn the next morning that he appears to them, okay? So you get the picture up here. Um, they're in the boat on the Sea of Galilee, and it's a dark and a stormy night, and they've been rowing. You don't catch this just reading it, but they've been in the boat for nine hours. And the idea is they... They've been rowing and rowing, and they got to keep rowing because if they quit rowing, the boat's going to go sideways, and what's going to happen? The, they're going to sink. The boat's going to sink. So they're worn out. They're weary. They're straining at the oars, John 6, 19 tells us, and they're only halfway across the lake. Can, can you think? Nine hours. It, it should have taken them an hour, hour and a half on calm seas, but they've been at it for nine hours, and they're only halfway. <laughs> they've been battling the wind, the waves, the storm. And here's what it says. Jesus looks down from the mountaintop, and he's praying for them. He sees them, and he's praying for the twelve, and he's praying that this storm would teach them lessons they couldn't learn anywhere else. Jesus is praying for them, and he's praying that during this storm, their faith would grow, their trust in him would grow, and they would draw closer to him because of the storm. Before we go any further, I just need to ask, how many of you right now would be honest enough to say, you know what? I'm in a storm. I got this. I'm in the middle of a storm the waves around me, I, I look and they're huge. It's a dark and scary place. And I've been rowing and I've been rowing and it feels like I'm going nowhere. How many of you be bold enough to just say, I, I'm, I'm in the storm right now? Would you, would you raise your hand? Or if you're watching online, you can hit the prayer button or do something. Let them know. Okay. Anybody up in the balcony? I'm in the storm right now. Okay. I, I got my hand up. Okay. So I'm, I'm with you. Uh, in the middle of a storm right now, okay? Let, let me uh, give you three reminders for those of you who just raised your hand. You ready? Number one, the storm didn't catch Jesus by surprise. Jesus knew the storm was coming. He knew where the disciples' boat was. And here's what you need to know. He knows exactly where your boat is right now too. So if you're in a storm... He knows and he knew about this storm and he's got some lessons for us to learn from this storm. Second, Jesus is praying for his disciples. He's up on the mountaintop and, and he's praying. And I just looked up 
just a few verses, 1 Timothy 2.5, Revelation 12.10, Romans 8.34. Here's what I know. Guess what Jesus is doing for us right now? He's interceding for us. He, he's praying for us. And, and if you just raised your hand and you're saying, I'm in a storm, here's what you need to know. Jesus is praying for you right now in the middle of your storm. He's interceding. He's advocating. He cares for you. So even though you might have lost sight of Jesus in this storm, are you ready? Jesus never lost sight of you. Isn't that good? <laughs> you might not be able to see Jesus in your storm right now clearly, but he sees you clearly. And really, isn't that what matters? First Peter has a wonderful challenge. Chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. It says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Okay? I can't do it, Lord. I'm not doing well in the storm. I'm humbling myself. Pride says, I can do it. I'm okay. I don't need your help. Humble says, oh, Lord, <laughs> I need you. Apart from you, I'm nothing. I'm toast. I'm not doing well. I'm straining. I'm scared. Again, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, especially when you're in a storm, so that he might lift you up out of the storm in due time. Then it says this, you ready? Cast all your anxiety, all of your worry, all of your fear on King Jesus. Why? Because he cares for you, right? He loves you. He loves you. So, so what do you do in the middle of a storm? Humble yourself. Lord, I just admit I can't handle this. I'm not doing well. I need you. And I'm going to wait for due time. I can't wait for the storm to pass. But in the meantime, I'm going to cast, I'm going to give you all of my anxiety, all of my worry, all of my fear, because I know you love me. I know you love me, and I'm just going to keep casting it on you. And what do you do when an hour later it comes back? What do you do? Got to keep casting it on him. Keep giving. And here's what I've learned. If you keep giving it to him, eventually it's going to be longer and longer before the anxiety and the worry and the fear come back. So it might be one hour at first, and then you can go two hours, and then you might actually be able to go a whole afternoon for a while. But you're going to keep, Lord, when I feel overwhelmed and stressed and fearful, I'm going to keep casting it on you. First Peter 5, 6 and 7. That can be some of your very favorite verses right now. So after prayer, it's time for Jesus to go for a walk. How many of you like to go for a walk? Okay. How many of you not so much? Okay, there you go. I love you both. <laughs> I, I have both of those. Sometimes I like to walk and sometimes not so much. Um, Jesus is going to pay a visit to his disciples and they're scared, spitless. They really are. Uh, verse 48, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. He's about to pass them by. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, oh, hi, boys. Uh, but when they saw Jesus walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost, and they cried out. Uh, Colossians 1, 16 and 17. Jesus is the creator and the sustainer of the universe. So if you're wondering, well, how could he do this? Well, he created this, this awesome universe. It's fun to say awesome that way. Awesome. Um, and he sustained it. And, and he can interrupt the rules wherever he wants to. But you need to know something, okay? If you got your Bible, if you want to go back, go back to chapter 5. I just want to show you 
what, what uh, the gospel's already been telling us about Jesus. Okay, he just fed chapter 6, 20,000 people um, with a can of tuna, a couple biscuits, amazing sushi. Uh, if you go back, starting in verse 21, there's this synagogue leader named Jairus, and his daughter died, and Jesus just says, hey, get up, and she's alive. So he raises this little girl from the dead, and there's this woman who's got this awful condition, and she just touches the hem of Jesus' cloak, and she's healed. Amazing. And then if you go back to the beginning of chapter 5, um, there's this demon-infested guy named Legion, and Jesus says, come out, and, and he's free. So I just want you to see that the gospel's already been telling us who this Jesus is. He's awesome. He's the creator of the universe. He's the sustainer of the universe. And now, notice what Jesus says to the frightened disciples in the boat. Notice what he says. He says, don't be afraid. It's me. <laughs> it's me. Hey, boys, I, 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 it, it, it's, it's not anything to be afraid of, he literally says, take courage, I am is here. I am. God Almighty is now with you. God Almighty is now in your boat. God Almighty has been watching over your boat. I am is here. Got it? I am has arrived, and the one who always was and the one who will always be is here with you, and instantly, the waves cease, and then the wind goes flat. The, the seas are calm, waves are gone, okay? It's pretty amazing picture here. Now, Mark is painting that picture because he wants us to realize trouble and bad situations, storms kick up in our lives unexpectedly and appears suddenly, and it feels like, where did this come from? Where did this storm come from? Suddenly, the doctor says, you need surgery. Suddenly, the, the doctor says, chemo and radiation are required. The boss tells you, I'm sorry, but I got to lay you off. The COVID test is positive. The fever rises, and the chest tightens. Um, your child or grandchild, they're living in sin, and suddenly they're doing things you can't believe they're doing, and they want nothing to do with Jesus or the Bible or his church. Back to the text. Jesus is saying, excuse me, I'm here. <laughs> I am is here. Trust in me. Humble yourself. Cast your anxiety on me. Jesus is urging us, you know what? I am the God over the storm that you're facing right now. I am the one who always has been and always will be. I'm right here in the boat with you. Just telling you, it changes everything. Verse 52, we get a little bit of the why. Why, why specifically did these 12 disciples need to go into this storm? Re read what it says, verse 52. It might make you cry. Here we go. For they had not understood about the loaves. For they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Pause. 
Jesus just fed 20,000 people. Jesus just, with, with literally just a few pieces of bread and, and a few little fish, um, he literally fed 20,000 people. And now, suddenly, the disciples' hearts were hard, and they were all excited. Jesus, feed us every day. Feed us every meal. We like your miracles. And now they're chasing after miracles just like the crowd instead of chasing after the one who could cure their greatest problem, their sin problem, okay? Fact is this, give me your eyes. Even long-term, mature followers of Jesus, if we're not careful, <laughs> we get hardened and we think that Jesus isn't dealing with this storm like I think he should. And we forget that Jesus is greater than any storm that comes our way. We forget that Jesus teaches his best lessons <laughs> when we're in the middle of storms. Matter of fact, I would argue we don't learn many lessons when the sea is calm and the sun is shining and the wind has died down. Matter of fact, Usually when that's happening, we're happy and things are wonderful, but we're not learning, we're not growing, we're not straining at the oars, and it's easy to forget that Jesus is with us in our boats. It's easy to forget, you know, all I have to do is cry out and ask for grace and mercy to help in this time of need. We, we get all caught up in the storm and we forget the awesome God who's right there with us and will never leave us and will never forsake us and is the good shepherd who walks through every storm with us. And he's saying, you know what? I allowed this storm and I want you to learn some stuff. Will you let me teach you? I love you that much. I close by uh, just working through some of the things that we learn how Jesus used this storm in the life of his 12 disciples. And then I'm going to add how the Lord might be using this storm that we're all facing called COVID in our lives. Okay, here we go. I'll give you six. Jesus purposely sent his disciples into this storm. He says, get in the boat, go. It's not like they had a choice. He orders them into the boat and pushes them literally into the middle of a storm. And I would argue the Lord has allowed the storm of COVID to spread over the entire planet. I did a little looking, but so far they have not found any country anywhere in the world where COVID hasn't shown up. There is one country who claims they don't have any, North Korea. But all the experts say, no, that's not true. But anyway, uh, worldwide. Second lesson, Jesus was protecting his disciples from temptation. And for them, the temptation was to join in with the crowd and force Jesus to be king. He, he literally used the storm to protect them from what could have been a catastrophic temptation. Could Jesus be protecting us, at least in the church in America, 
from the temptation of being comfortable? Just, just asking a question. Could it be that Jesus is saying, you know, church, in America, you've been far too comfortable. You've had it far too easy. Everything's going pretty well. It's time to push you out of your easy chair. It's time to teach you some lessons so that you'll grow and get a bit uncomfortable. Third, Jesus was watching over and praying for his disciples the entire time they were in the storm. He was watching. He knew exactly where the boat was. He was praying for them while they were battling the wind and the waves. Did you know that Jesus is praying for us just like he prayed for the 12 in the boat? He, he's praying over all of his children. He's advocating for us. He's interceding for us. Um, Jesus is on our side and watching over us and has been even these last 10 months when maybe perhaps we couldn't see him. He never lost sight of us. Isn't that good to know? Even if there's times you can't see him very clearly, he always is right there for you. Uh, fourth, uh, Jesus wanted the 12 disciples to know that he was greater than the wind and the waves of the storm. Hey, I want you to know that, that I have authority even over these massive waves you've been battling for nine hours. And the wind that's howling, I am the king of the wind and the waves. And I want you to know Jesus is greater than any storm that we're facing now. It's not just COVID. There's lots of things blowing our way. Jesus, I believe, is saying, you know what? I am still greater than whatever your fate, whatever storm you're in the middle of, I'm greater than that. Matter of fact, I'm the cure. Matter of fact, I'm the answer. Would you turn to me? Fifth, Jesus told the disciples, take courage, I am here. Take courage, I am here. Now, let me just say something. Courage is something that you have to take from the Lord. Do you understand? It's not passive. Hit me, Lord, hit me. Uh... It, it literally is, Lord, I trust you, and right now I take the courage that you're offering me to deal with this situation. And why do we take courage? Because I am is with us. It's an act of faith. I receive your courage. Lord, use your courage to melt the fear. Now, now let me explain something to you. The storm causes the fear... And it's because we're in fear that we reach out to the Lord and he uses the fear of the storm to melt the fear that's come our way. Does that make sense? But, but what you got to do is you got to keep taking courage from the Lord Jesus and it's that courage that melts away the fear and the anxiety. Or perhaps for you, man, your anger and your frustration because we don't get worried, we just get mad. Sixth and final. Jesus used this storm to deal with some hardness in the hearts of his disciples. What hardness might be in your heart here? What hardness might have built up 
that over these last 10 months, Jesus is saying, you know what? I want to deal with that, and I want to use this storm to soften, to heat up your heart. Lukewarmness, casualness, comfortableness. What is it that the Lord might be using this storm to accomplish in your life? I close with uh, a verse that I don't particularly love, but I think it applies. 1 Peter 4.12. Put it up here. It says this, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come to you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Why would I have to face this storm? Why on earth should I have to go through this ordeal? And the answer is because the Lord says, I want to test you. I want you to get better. I want you to grow. I want you to mature. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you might be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. No matter what storm you're in the middle of right now, and I suspect we got lots of different storms that are smacking our lives, can, can I just say Jesus is using that storm to do something in us. He's, he, he never wastes a storm. Jesus is wanting to teach us lessons right in the middle of a storm. Or I'll say it one last time. Jesus loves us enough to allow storms to come into our lives. And, and I would even say Jesus loves the world enough to allow this pandemic to come because he's wanting to teach us lessons that we could never learn when everything is calm and sunny and the seas are flat. Jesus loves us that much. He loves you that much. Let's pray. Lord, the reality is, I know the truth for me, is if I could hit a button... I'd every time hit the easy button. Every time I'd hit the no pain, no struggle, comfortable button. But Lord, uh, there is no such button. And even though we don't like pain or struggle or stress or attack, you use storms with those sort of things to get our attention to wake us up. And Lord, we believe you've allowed some start harsh storms to come, and we believe, Lord, that you're wanting to do something in our lives in and through the storms that we're facing. And thank you, Lord, that you never waste lessons. You're wanting to teach us. So we're going to just be quiet for a moment, and we're going to listen. We want to hear from you. Speak. We're ready to respond and hear the nudges, the prompts, the whispers that you have for us personally right now.
I need to ask, <clears throat> could be you're watching online, you're here today, and you've never invited Jesus to be the captain of your boat. You've never invited Jesus to come and take charge of your life, and I got great news. Right now, today, you can do that. Right now, where you're at, you can say, Jesus, I believe that you took on human body, lived a sinless life, therefore qualified to be the sinless Lamb of God, and you did that for me. And Jesus, I believe that you shed your blood for my greatest problem. I'm a sinner. And the only cure comes from your shed blood. And, and Jesus, I believe you took my place in the grave. And I believe that early Sunday morning, you didn't stay dead. You literally, bodily, physically, you arose from the dead. You did that for me. I believe that. And right now, by faith, I open the door of my life and I receive you as the captain of my life. You come and be the king, the captain, the savior, the Lord of me. He'll be your good shepherd. Never leave you, never forsake you. I'm not saying you'll never face a storm again, but you'll never face a storm alone again. Come into my life, Jesus. Take charge. I'm going to follow you right now. Maybe you've already done that and you're here today and you need the church family to help you. That's why we have a family during the storms of life. We don't do well on our own. If you're watching online, you can hit the prayer button. Let them know what's going on. I need prayer. This storm is battering my life. And it feels like my boat is going to capsize. Or maybe it already has and I'm swimming for my life. If you're here in person, we've got the prayer corner and the prayer chapel. We've got a team of folks who'd love to come alongside you right now and stand with you right now in the middle of your storm. You can go now. When we start singing, you can make your way over to the prayer corner. They'd love to pray with you. You're not alone. You've got a family. We want to stand with you. Thank you, Lord, for even the storms that you bring our way. I believe, Lord, you want to do mighty things as you strengthen our faith, as you uh, mature us and grow us. Lord, I believe the best days are ahead. So, Lord, help us to hold on tight to you. Keep casting our anxiety and our fear and our worry on you. Lord, we take your courage right now. It's in Jesus' amazing name we pray. Amen.